Oh, I love that. I love that. Thanks for coming back to part two of KPI Key People Indicators with Jesse Hernandez. And me. And and me, <laughs> Carolyn McMahon. We hope you enjoy your drive home or ride into work if you're playing these episodes back to back. Let's dive back into the discussion. Tell me what you do for corporate or individuals. I really love working with people one-on-one. I absolutely love it. It's super, super fulfilling. Now, I got to buy hair product and working with people one-on-one, it can be cost prohibitive and, you know, I got to make my hair look good. So doing corporate work it helps me buy a lot of gel, right? right? The way I help reconcile that is when I go work for a business, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the, the, the right client, right? Or the client that I'm best suited to serve. People reach out to me and, and they're looking for help. So I have a lean background. My brain is weird because I've studied all these things about continuous improvement. I know a lot of tools. I know a lot of words. But what I know is it's about the people. If, if I don't affect the people and minimize the burden and pain in their work, it doesn't matter what my vocabulary is, right? And so some leaders reach out and they want me to come and fix their problem. I'm not that kind of guy, <laughs> right? And and some leaders say, hey, I have a problem that I would love for you to come and let's co-fix the problem, right? They don't use that. Those are Jesse languages, Thanks. but right, let's co-fix it. Meaning, you know, some people... They'll take their vehicle to get the oil change and, and they'll chill out in the AC and, you know, update TikTok or whatever as the oil's being changed. That's okay. Some people like to change the oil themselves, right? They got the oil pan, they got all their stuff. That's the leader that I'm best suited to serve mm. is the leader that is prepared to be involved in changing their thinking and understanding the problem from an objective perspective and get involved in terms of sweat equity into addressing the problem. Now, while we're doing all of that, what normally happens is there's a lot of conversations, there's a lot of awakenings. And then it's like, ooh, I got more to work on. Can we do like a one-on-one, like a regular cadence of us checking in and following up? Like, ah, yes, absolutely. So that's like the dream scenario. But I guess Long answer is, yes, I do corporate work, primarily construction companies, commercial construction, small groups, and some one-on-one stuff. I guess, personally, that fills your that fills your tank a little more? The, the oh, one-on-one. my God. <clears throat> totally. I just wrapped up a gig in Dallas with a client, and we were studying work. I call it sweat equity improvement. So what we do is we go and we study installation. And it was a 22-story office core and shell building. And they were having a problem with the install rate of glass panels. And so the client said, hey, Jess, I've I've worked with you before. I've seen you do some stuff. Can you come do this with us? I said, absolutely. He had a group of six leaders, four from the trade partner and two from the general contractor. And it's six days, right? Because it's not just me changing the oil. Like we're learning how to change the oil together, right? Mm -hmm. So ideally when I walk away, they have some thinking tools and some techniques and methodologies to continue doing this on their own. That's my part. Like if I can leave you with some stuff that you go tinker around with, I did my job. If I leave and nothing happens, I failed you. All I did was take your money. So 
Now, here's the fulfillment piece is we're studying the work and there's two purposes of this event. One is to build capability. My goal is to build capability within the learners. Mm -hmm. The other purpose is to remove hard work. So we're studying these and it was cold, like, man, like we were only out there for a couple hours every day in the cold. These men and women are working in the cold, 15th floor, winds blowing, it's 30 degrees. And so we're studying the work and what we focus and target is the hard, burdensome work. So if I got to work on my knees, that's hard. If I got to lay down and twist, that's hard. And so what we're looking at is all these things that people are dealing with And how can we redesign things just a little bit so they kneel down fewer times or so instead of twisting, they're working on in front of them. So in this situation, we took the installation of one cycle from like 20 minutes to eight minutes per panel. Wow. Right. Big. It was a big improvement. And the amount of hard work. Like that's good, right? For 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 productivity and and earnings and margin and all that, which I appreciate that. But the amount of hard work that we took out in some of these instances was over seventy percent. Wow! That we took out that they don't have to deal with anymore. And so, like seeing the smiles on the install team's face, of like, man, that was cool. That was good. Or, man, you know, thank you all because no one's ever asked me about my work. No one's ever asked me if I would want to do this differently. That is fulfilling because those leaders are also having the other side of that experience of like, oh, damn, I never talked to my team. I should talk to my team more. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like that's that. So that's where I get the fulfillment from that type of group type learning. Yeah. Well, I I think I think a lot of people just say from from a builder's perspective or general contractor the superintendent walking around the job site they're just not thinking on that level because mm-hmm. we're so driven to think on spreadsheets margin most of them not thinking about margin but spreadsheets <laughs> and time and how long is it taking you why aren't you done yet when are you going to be finished right it's yes my only tool is a whip or yes. a hammer i don't have these other tools these people tools where when I walk around, I'm asking, how's everything going today? I can see something's off with this individual, right? And, and off by they're not in their right frame of mind. Hey, Jesse, what, what's going on today? You don't seem yourself. You're not the normal goofball that you are. Right. What's going on? And then you open up and, and as a superintendent or, or builder, you build up that individual a little bit. And then that's how you get to that 20 minutes to eight minutes. And, and it's absolutely. I know it sounds stupid saying it because it's like this is this seems like very basic stuff, but in our industry, we just don't get it. Well, we fail no. at basic stuff. <laughs> well, we weren't taught. You weren't programmed to think about people. You were programmed to think about production and driving numbers. And yes. that's what we do. We we do a good job of that, which we go backwards. That's why people leave. Yes. The more you invest in the people and, and you start teaching them those skills, you start building them up and they start getting more confident. And then they start feeling like they have a voice, they have a place yes. at the table. And they start coming forward and saying, hey, if we just made these little tweaks, we would do less work and produce more results. And then if you get leaders, which I'm excited to hear what you're doing, because you're tapping into the leadership of the industry and getting them to understand the value of that. And I believe that we are cut from the same cloth because we started in the trenches. 
Yep. You on the plumbing side, me on the HVAC side. Yeah. So I hated plumbers and electricians on the job site because they were always <laughs> in my way or doing something that messed my work up. The damn framers couldn't do something. We were taught to hate each other. Yes. And for what reason? I don't know, because it's like if we would have learned to work with each other, we could have produced some really great things. And Jesse, I'm talking like 20 years ago. We're having the same discussion. Uh How the hell is that possible? We've grown nothing in 20 years. Yes. Yeah, I think I think you are onto something like I really see you tapping into the culture side and Mm -hmm. boosting them up, which is so critical. And when we talk about the great reset of 2023, that's where it starts. It starts with freaking people. Yes, I believe 100. And I'm on I'm on the hunt for for these types of leaders. But I think the people, the companies, the organizations that figure out. Or rather, I should say, are courageous about demonstrating appreciation for the people in their charge are going to kick everybody else in the face. Yeah. And right. I'm not talking about pizza parties. I'm talking about, like you said, like, how about learn somebody's name? Like make it a regular practice to say, Hey, Josh, how you doing, man? You look a little bit off. You all right? Or whatever. Like we can't have that conversation of you look off. If I don't know what normal looks like, right. If I don't know what your natural energy is, I've got to make an investment of of learning people's names and learning a little bit about them beyond the damn KPIs because the KPIs are going to be there. So the organizations that get courageous about demonstrating appreciation for their people, they're going to kick everybody else in the face. And that's what I'm looking for. What I see happening is that shift right now, all the organizations and this this may not be popular and i may lose clients for this comment but this is where it comes like straight up most companies have figured out that if i start marketing and branding culture first people-centered organization we're dei compliant we're leading the charge of equity and inclusion that that's that's wax (laughs) it's paper it's advertising there is no organization that I like I can go to the website and look for many companies and they all say the same thing. It's shiny. It looks good. But what does it feel like? Right? What are you doing as an organization to demonstrate appreciation for people? The organizations that do that, they're going to they're going to like just I think about the times when I had when I would have conversations estimating and my boss would call me in and say, "Hey Jess, like we're going after this job. It's a core and shell. So like we could really make a lot of money. There's no finish out. We could run the pipe, run the duck. What do you think about taking it at a 0.80, meaning 20% reduction on our labor costs? There were three questions I had. Who's the GC? Who's the superintendent? What's their name? And who's the project manager? What's their name? And depending on the names I got, I said, oh, hell <laughs> You need to put a 1.6 on that bad boy because them fools don't know how to run a job, <laughs> right? Like that was reality. And so now if I work with general contractors that demonstrate appreciation and create the conditions for us to thrive and execute and learn and be human, 
they ask me that question, I'm going to say, yep, Dennis Verbeek, 0.75. Pat Donovan, 0.82. Like, we can be successful with them, and we're going to give them a discount. Maybe not a discount. We're going to give them a better price because I'm going to have a better experience. Well, and you're still going to make money, right? And we're still going to make money. Yeah, because we're not going to be dealing with all the damn drama. Like, the job is the job. But dealing with buttheads makes it more expensive. <laughs> right. There should be a cost factor associated with, you know, a direct link. You know, you're a jerk. You know, you have some sort of a adder. <laughs> yes. I I think, and I, I've said this before, is like, if we want better pricing, we should really focus on the people running the jobs and make sure jobs are ready. Make sure we're treating our people with respect and we will get better pricing. Absolutely. But if you don't know how to run a job site, Nobody wants to freaking work with you. You might get better pricing because of your volume or some other thing, but it's not long-term. No, exactly right. It's not sustainable. No, uh-uh, no. And then if, if they are doing your work, they don't like it. They don't respect what they're doing there. So if you're the plumber and you're doing the trim out in my house, you don't care if you banged up the walls or you broke something. You're not going to say anything to me. You're just going to do it and leave because you know you won't figure out who did it. Yep. And, that, and you're going to yell at me anyways, right? Like that fool yells at me all the time. Why give him another excuse to yell at me? But if we have that mutual respect and appreciation for everybody, for each yeah. other, I might come up and say, Josh, man, I kind of hit that damn wall over there. Like that's on me, whatever. We got to work it out. Like, again, it's the way we appreciate one another. And it's very easy to say, well, why don't the trade start first? That's fair. But why doesn't the leader, like there's something to do with the word leader that means you go first, you lead. So why don't you demonstrate the behavior first and then get this ball rolling? I think a lot of the issue that we don't have a lot of leaders in our industry. Agreed. Most people in the construction industry are managers. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even say they're good managers. And they're managers of spreadsheets. Again, they're managers of yes. of of KPIs, key performance indicators, but they're not managers or leaders of key people. Right. What is that KPI with people? You know, you've seen that, Jesse. Somebody changed it, but I'll look it up later. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. If I'm the builder or I'm the GC and I really focus on my people and improving who they are, that trickles down to the people in the field. That trickles down to the trades. Because what I've said when it comes to improving the trades is, I don't think I can improve the owner of that plumbing company, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're doing the same thing I'm doing. But I think I can improve John, who's on the site roughing in the house, by just talking to him and understanding who he is and what what his goals are. And then maybe even helping him like, hey, have you thought about doing this or changing this? And then even going maybe one step even further and saying, what are the things that I'm doing that makes your job more difficult? And yes. I've asked that question multiple times on the job site. I've asked even county inspectors, like, what are we doing that's making your job miserable? How do mm-hmm. I get it to where, you know, when I call an inspection, you want to come to my job? Well, and do you find most times that it's a very easy and yes. you know, minor thing that you can do? <laughs> it, it's always totally. easy. Yeah. Totally. And it, it's like we're five years away from really getting to the hard problems that we need to solve. There's so much easy stuff that we could solve and transform the industry, home yes. building or commercial construction. We could transform it overnight if we would just say, 
I want to do better. And from a home building perspective, I'm leaning on how do we change the customer experience? It's like we've got to create the home building industry towards customer experience focused, not just home number focused, right? Because I need to close 100 homes this year. That's my goal. Well, right. who gives a shit what the number of homes you close? What's the margin of the homes? What's the success of the homes you close? What's the experience? What's the customer surveys? Like that's yeah. the stuff that matters because I don't need to build homes in 2023. I want to build homes for the next 40 years. The money distracts us from the value. And so what I mean by that is there are multiple customers on a, let's just say any build, house, building, doesn't matter. There is the client that is signing the checks. That's one customer. <laughs> there are the trades that are doing the damn work. Yeah, That's another customer. That's right. <laughs> There's a supply chain that's delivering the stuff that the trades are doing. That's another customer. There's the manager, the general contractor. That's another customer. However, what we, like people in general, the way we see and align our resources and our energy is to serve the client yeah. only yeah. at that's the right. cost of underserving the other customers that are in the value stream. So, you know, again, this may not give me any points, but there's a ton of general contractors in, in the commercial construction space that they do surveys, right? They do, they got client feedback <clears throat> of the people that are occupying the building. And that's good. That's actually super damn important. And they do a great job of getting that. They also get some feedback from the trades, from the people that are on their project. But guess who they get the feedback from? <laughs> The God not work, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's the project manager, the BD, sometimes a principal of the organization that is going to be answering in such a way that maintains favor <laughs> with the GC so you can give me more work. Yeah. So there's this whole audience of people that are having a user experience and it's freaking miserable most of the time. That nobody is even trying to understand. And that audience are the men and women that are building the damn things that we're trying to sell. And so what if, I don't know, but what if we got their user experience, their customer experience, and use that to inform our business practices and provided them with the same caliber of experience that we want the end user to have? What, what if we did that? I mean, we flipped the game up on us upside down, man. And, and no, I'm wrong. We flipped the game right side up. There you go. We, yeah, we, I like we, that. We, we'd be more <laughs> focused on the right things. And and I think we talk about on our show, we talk about the shortage of, of trade partners, the shortage of people coming into the industry. Why would anybody want to come in the industry? Yeah. It's dirty. It's cold out. It's hot out. You get treated like shit. We have got to change who we are and how we do business if we want people to continue to come into this. Because for any executive listening to this show, you're not going to have any work when people aren't here doing the work for you. And, and the idea of, you know, immigration is going to fix our problem with a shortage of trade partners. You're wrong because they're people, too, and they're not stupid. They're going to figure it out and they're going to go in to do something different. Yeah, we have to. You change. know, and back. So like. 
I've talked to several people and they're like, well, people just don't want to work like this generation. Every generation says that about the next generation, right? (laughs) They don't make them like they used to. No, they don't. You're right. Like, get over it. Stop using that excuse. But here's what's happened is we have, what what do they call it? The creator economy. Like, I figured out how to make a little bit of money wearing, like, no pants. It's so awesome, right? I don't have to put pants on and I can make money doing that. That's right. So many people have figured out how to to build a business or build a revenue stream or multiple revenue streams through their dang computer. Yeah. So if I can sit in whatever I want to sit in, in the comfort of my home and make money, why would I go work with somebody that's going to be screaming and cussing and yelling? And like, like, don't get me wrong. This, it, working in the heat kind of sucks, but it's kind of cool, right? You're sweaty and you're putting stuff in and like, hell yeah, I'm getting it. Or working in the cold, man, it sucks when I bang my knuckles. But if I feel good about it. But couple that with a jerk that's yelling and screaming and, and dirty, nasty porta potties. And I'm getting yelled at because I'm eating. Well, I'm human, fool. Like, we got to eat. Like, why would I put myself in that environment when I could be at home with no pants on yeah, making money? (laughs) So that's something we really need to like take account of that people can. And guess what? Craft workers, tradespeople are super crafty in terms of figuring out how to make things work. Yeah. And so that's what I think has happened is they're saying, well, you know what? Instead of crawling around and getting yelled at by, by old boy, let me figure out how to tinker around with this computery thing here and make some money doing that. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. They're doing it. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no compelling argument, you know, to do it differently, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I think so. And, and you know, I, I take exception to your comment about the pants. I do have sweatpants on with my <laughs> my dress shirt. So I, I'm, uh, I, I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> He dressed up for you. I did dress up for you. I, I thought this shirt would inspire you. Like, I don't have my Perry Ellis shoes on, but I do have a more flashy shirt on. And I did my hair. No, I, it's it's a good shirt, man. It's a great. I'm, me too. Look, I got. I don't know if you can see. I got yeah. sweatpants <laughs> and flip flops. Love it, love it. I would wear them year round. Well, Jesse, I, I wanna I wanna try and wrap this up. As usual, we talked about everything under the freaking sun. Yes. I don't think we solved all the problems yet, which means we'll have to do this again. Yes. 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 Yet. We have not solved all the problems yet, but we're getting close. Every conversation, I feel like we're like a little (laughs) bit closer to it. I wanted to try and end this, though, with how do we help you? You're more consulting thing. Love working with people one on one corporate jobs and and that side helps pair for the helps. (laughs) <laughs> I can't talk anymore. The corporate jobs help you pay for your hair product and, and such. What can we do to help you to get you in front of the the right leaders? Yeah, no, I man, I appreciate that, Josh. Here's the thing: like, I don't. I'll take any work I can, not any work I can get. Right? Like, I want to work. I want to make some money. But where I think I'm having the biggest effect and the like, there's the greatest return on my time and energy is through. The No BS with Jen and Jess live stream platform that we have and the reflection, the Lean and Love Reflection Journals. We just produced a a journal 
And they're connected because we started, like we wrote the book, Lean in Love, 5S Love Letters, as a result of having some live streams about personal and professional relationships. That live, it was supposed to be five conversations. That turned into No BS with Jen and Jesh. So we have a live stream every other Saturday, and we're having, they are imperfect conversations about the human side of work. And what's happening is we have a whole bunch of professionals in that. And we've kind of crossed over. So we started heavy focus construction. Now it's, it doesn't matter because work is work. There's people everywhere. And so we're having these really vulnerable conversations, talking about our own personal experience. And the group is growing and the group is starting to be more connected. And the group is starting to show up differently at work. And so in terms of help, that's what I would like is your your people, the people that you're connected with, come on over and, and get involved with No BS with Jen and Jess. If you want a system, maybe a thinking system to, to tinker around with your personal and professional relationships, get you a copy of the book. And by the way, I'm, I'm mailing your book. I mailed your book today. Oh, Finally, oh, you're going to yeah. get, you're going to get your, your copy. I think if, if the energy that we put in that can transform one individual's experience, we're winning yeah. like that money stuff. Like I've been working out. So I might, if I got to dance for money, I might be ready to do that in a few months, but that's not going to change anybody's life. If somebody kind of gets involved with the no BS tribe or gets this book and looks at relationships differently, that could have long-term exponential impact. And that's what I prefer to have help with. Yes. It's a ripple effect for sure. Oh, yes. ripples of impact. Ripples of impact. Is that? That's one of his. Oh, <laughs> she wasn't coached. coached. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's too funny. <laughs> Man, this is awesome, dude. Thank you for putting the book in the mail and send me that link. So I can. Yes. Uh, yes. I owe you the link. <laughs> Yes, sir. No, I appreciate you taking care of, man. We we appreciate you, man. You you've been a big part of my journey and and now Carolyn's journey too, which is Carolyn, which is awesome. It's a, yes, that's so awesome. And we're, we're gonna start tuning in on the no BS with Jen and Jess too. We we gotta we're gonna put on our calendar and commit and and put it out to our our people. Oh, that'd be great. Nine a.m. Eastern next Saturday. It's every other Saturday. Oh, every other cool. Nine a.m. Saturday. Perfect. You know, we're out of bed. By nine. Yeah, <laughs> much earlier, actually. <laughs> no pants required for anybody. No, except for me. Jennifer, make sure that I that I at least have that I'm halfway presentable. <laughs> that's that's good. That's what you need. It's awesome, Jesse. Thanks for everything, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Y'all go have fun over there, and don't feel bad about getting back home and going to bed early because I'm gonna do that too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Be good company. Absolutely. Hey, brother, we'll see you next year. Thank you. All right. Y'all take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah.